The prosperity gospel, I really believe, is a counterfeit gospel that seeks to hinder the furtherance of the true gospel because it gets us to become self-centered, self-focused. It helps promote greed and covetousness. And uh, it's obviously not healthy then uh, for us as believers because it keeps us off track from what is most important. Okay. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, uh, verse uh, 14 from the New Living Translation says, Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. And so last week, we, we started looking at Abraham and what is the blessing of Abraham, because um, yeah, a lot of people have a wrong view on this. And I think it's wealth and money and that we should be the richest people on the face of the earth. I mean, that's a great idea, uh, but it's not what Christ came to bring. Okay, Christ brings the blessing of Abraham to the Gentiles. What was the blessing or is the blessing of Abraham? Uh, it's it, that the Gentiles did not have. Because when we look at a lot of the Gentiles, when we, uh, look at Pharaoh, when we look at Abimelech, Herod and people like that, you know, they have plenty of money. They have plenty uh, cattle, they have plenty servants. So the blessing of Abraham could not be uh, wealth like that. It had to be something else. Um, and last week we started looking at it and um, we looked at a couple of verses to say, what is it that Abraham had that the Gentiles didn't have? And here's a couple of verses. Uh, Genesis chapter 15, verses 6 says uh, from the New Living Translation, and Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted it him as righteous because of his faith. And um, another verse, Romans 4, verse 8, NIV, blessed is the one whose sin the Lord never counts against them. Um, Romans chapter 4, verse 5 says, um, however, to the one who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. And then we've got Romans chapter 4, verse 5 in the modern English version, which puts it like this and says, but to him who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. And in the Good News translation, I'm just going to quote it. It says, but those who depend on faith, not on deeds, and who believe in the God who declares the guilty to be innocent. It is this faith that God takes into account in order to put them right with himself. And so we look through this and we see that the blessing of Abraham, what, what he had that the Gentiles did not have was justification by faith. Okay. Um, it was counted, he was counted righteous without doing anything righteous. And we're going to see that in an interesting light in a moment. But uh, your earthly riches like money, cars, houses, whatever, cattle, yeah, that's, that's for everyone. We're going to look at this in a, in a moment too. You know, that this is for everyone on the face of the earth. It's not just for those that are Christian. And um, a lot of us can tend to kind of get upset with that because uh, we like the feeling of superiority and we've got to put our ego aside and we've got to kind of look at what does the Bible say and not what do we want it to say. Um, but you don't have to believe in Christ to be rich. And the richest people in the world a lot of them don't believe in Christ. So faith and finances or faith and wealth are not really linked as strongly as we would like to believe they are. The richest people in the world, not necessarily believers. 
they are they are rich believers but if you go and look at how they work so a lot of them rightfully so will credit the lord and give him honor and and like you know i believe god or whatever but they worked hard or a lot of them didn't just work hard they maybe just preached hard they preached teaching they preached and taught sowing and reaping and that's how they became uh, rich but um like we said last week we must never assume that you know and this is the assumption that a lot of uh, people with a focus on finances, they may not say this, but it comes across like this, that if you don't have a lot of wealth, material wealth, you evidently don't have a lot of faith. Um, and I, I asked the question last week, why aren't these people then going to the poorest of the poor to teach what they teach and get people to give so that they can come out of their poverty? Why did Paul write to a church which had encouraging them to give to the, the, the Christians who had not? Why didn't he write to the Christians who had not and tell them to give more? Yeah, just by looking at things like that in the word, we can see that there's a bit of a disconnect between what a lot of uh, popular preachers preach and what the Bible's actually showing us. Okay, and like we said last week, and, and I think Jean-Pierre brought out in the um, comments in the beginning, Anything that we can get without Christ cannot be his reason for coming. Because why he came was so we can put trust in him and receive what we cannot get without him. So let's um, start off this evening just looking at a, a bit at Abraham. Okay, um, Who was he? How did he become rich? Because I think a lot of our misconceptions uh, can be found uh, in this so genesis chapter 11 verse uh, 31 new king james says and terah took his son abram and his grandson lot the son of haran and his daughter-in-law sarah or sarai uh, his son abraham's wife and they went out from uh, with them from ur of the chaldeans to go to the land of canaan and they came to haran and dwelt there so abraham was a child of Chaldean. The Chaldeans were idol worshippers. They worshipped the moon, they worshipped the stars. So Abraham was born into an idolatrous family, okay, um, which uh, kind of uh, is interesting in terms of um, what we're going to see now in a sec. Look at this, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. <clears throat> the Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, from this place, uh, from this idol worship to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the, the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God appears to Abraham. Who is Abraham? He's an idol worshiper. And what does he do? He promises to bless Abraham. But we need to ask ourselves the question, was Abraham poor when God approached him? Was Abraham poor? So let's look at it in Genesis chapter 12, verse um, 4 to 5. And it says, so Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran and headed for the land of Canaan. 
when they arrived in Canaan, it carries on. Now, now look at this. Abraham, an idol worshiper, has wealth. So this is showing us you, you don't have to worship Jesus to have wealth. You can become wealthy by having the wrong religious view or having the wrong view of God. Wealth doesn't validate your view of God. Wealth doesn't prove that you're more spiritual than someone else. When God said to Abraham, I will bless you, he evidently wasn't talking about material wealth because Abraham already had that. He didn't need that. And I know some would say then, well, maybe it's because he was going to give him more wealth. And, you know, I would say, you know, get off the, um, the covetous high horse for a moment and just look at what the scripture is saying. And it's saying that we, we, he, he had wealth. Okay, he had livestock, he had servants. Okay, he didn't go empty-handed uh, 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 as he went towards Canaan. Genesis chapter 12, verse 10 to 13, says, At that time, a severe famine struck the land of Canaan, forcing Abraham to go down to Egypt, where he lived as a foreigner. As he was approaching the border of Egypt, Abram said to his wife, Sarai, look, you're a very beautiful woman. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Let's kill him that we can have her. So please tell them that you are my sister. Then they will spare my life and treat me well because of their interest in you. This is interesting. So the economy is bad. In the country that Abraham was in. And so Abraham lies to use his wife to get some kind of comfort and acceptance in this foreign land. Okay, what do you call that? You could say just a, a liar. <laughs> so Abraham, the liar, uh, uh, is now in a foreign nation. Let's carry on reading. And sure enough, when Abraham, the liar, arrived in Egypt, everyone noticed Sarai's beauty. When the palace officials saw her, they sang her praises to Pharaoh, their king. And Sarai was taken into his palace. Then Pharaoh gave Abraham many gifts because of her. Sheep, goats, cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. Now, this is interesting. The liar, Abraham. Now, I'm, I'm being hard on Abraham, and I'm calling him a liar for a reason. But the liar Abraham accumulates wealth through lying and using, misusing his wife. So this is how he, he becomes wealthier. Okay. How did he not become wealthier? By tithing or sowing and reaping. He, he, but he became wealthy through lying. Okay. Let's carry on reading. Genesis chapter 12, 19 to 20. Now, now he's caught up, and uh, uh, um, uh, Pharaoh is asking, why did you say she is my sister, and allow me to take her as my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and get out of here. Pharaoh ordered some of his men to escort them, and he sent Abraham out of the country along with his wife and all his possessions. So he, um, Pharaoh organizes for, um, or he discovers that Abraham has lied, uh, to him, and so he deports him out of the country, but he gets him to leave 
with all his ill-gotten material wealth. Okay, and so it's a good for us to notice once again that material wealth doesn't prove a godly life because his wealth didn't come through godliness. There's a lot of people in the world, even in churches, who maybe are Christian but didn't get their wealth through godly means. There's a lot of ungodly people who maybe got their wealth through more godly means, but the point is, is godliness doesn't equal or doesn't determine your spirituality or your wealth. Okay, Genesis chapter 13, verse 1 to 2 from the New King James Version says, Then Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Abraham was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Why? Because of the wealth that he accumulated through ungodly means. That's the wealth that it's talking about. As an unbeliever, Abraham becomes a wealthy man. Yeah? Today, unbelievers can become very wealthy. You don't need biblical principles to become wealthy. Wealth, you know, the wealth within the earth isn't reserved for Christians. Genesis chapter 20, verse 2 to 3. Abraham introduced his wife. Now, this is a couple chapters down. Introduces his wife, Sarah, by saying, this is my sister. So King Abimelech of Gerar sent for Sarah and had her brought to him at his palace. By that night, God came to Abimelech in a dream and told him, you are a dead man. For that woman you have taken is already married. And so now, after Abraham has been justified by faith, he, he repeated his same lie that he did in Egypt about his wife. Why? For selfish reasons. And guess what? It still pays off. Genesis chapter 12, 20, um, verse uh, 14 to 16. <clears throat> then Abimelech took some of his sheep and goats and cattle, male and female servants, and he presented them to Abraham. He, who wants to follow the example of Abraham? Raise your hand. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Abimelech took some of his sheep and goats and cattle and male and female servants, and then he presented them to Abraham. And uh, now, now, now it's the scriptures talking about Abraham, not Abram, showing that the justification is by faith has taken place. And but now he's doing the same lie and getting the same results. He also returned his wife Sarah to him, and then Abimelech said. Look over my land and choose any place you would like to live. And he said to, and then he said to Sarah, Look, I'm giving your brother 1,000 uh, pieces of silver in the presence of all these witnesses. This is to compensate you for any wrong that I have done to you. This will settle any claim against me, and your reputation is clear. So Abraham again makes a killing and gets richer through. Lying through deceit, not through godly means. So let me ask this question. At any stage in the verses that we have read, did Abraham increase in wealth, in financial prosperity, by tithing or sowing and reaping or first fruits or anything like that? 
absolutely not. Not at all. So, you know, with that being said, we can't even uh, define prosperity as having enough to give. You know, uh, we, we can't, it might be that you're, you're materially prosperous and rich, but we, we need to kind of not be limited in our definition of rich. And we're going to look at that uh, at a later stage, but we can't be limited by defining rich as money because the Bible even says we should be rich in good works. We can't uh, be limited in defining prosperity as having an abundance to be able to be a blessing because you know, um, um, it, it could be soul prosperity that the Bible is talking about. Eternal prosperity in the sense of um, uh, uh, this new life that we've got. But I mean, the big thing from all of Abraham verses here, verses about Abraham is that he didn't increase in wealth because of tithing or sowing and reaping or first fruits or anything like that. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. And then NRV says, uh, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Point being, it doesn't just rain on the righteous farmer's farms. Yes, we, 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 we you know, um, um, we've got family who are farmers and they pray and they trust God. And they have more rain usually than, than the neighboring farms even. And so, you know, we're not eliminating supernatural in that, but you have ungodly farmers around the world who, whose um, uh, drug harvest is doing pretty good. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, God doesn't cause a drought over the drug lands or whatever, you know. It, 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 you, it, it, we've got to apply this. A principle is a principle because it works everywhere. You know, so, so we can't just pick and choose like this. The rain... The, the sun rises on good and evil. The rain is, is on the righteous and the unrighteous. Look at the, the new century uh, version here. It says, if you do this, you'll be true children of your father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on good people and on evil people and sends rain on those who do right and those who do wrong. So rain or a, you know, is always seen as a blessing. Rain or blessing doesn't just come on those who do what's right. Look at the Amplified Classic Version. It says, to show that you are children of your father who is in heaven, for he makes the sun. Now, this is talking about how we treat other people. The sun rises on the wicked and on the good and makes rain fall upon the upright and all the wrongdoers alike. So the riches that God has put into the earth are for all the earth's inhabitants, both the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> Okay, it doesn't matter if they're wicked, it doesn't matter if they're righteous. The, the riches of the earth are for everyone. It's not just for the Christian. You know, to try and use the name of Abraham to, to promote things like tithing and sowing and uh, uh, first fruits is really an unskilled interpretation of Bible. And it's actually just fraudulent to be plain. Because it, you don't have to be righteous to be wealthy. And a lot of righteous people who are actually maybe living more righteous than many of us in this meeting are actually struggling financially for whatever reason. Psalm 
chapter 104, verse uh, 24, New Century Version says, Lord, you have made many things. With your wisdom, you made them all. The earth is full of your riches. That's beautiful. The earth is full of riches. And all people, believers and unbelievers, because we live here, we have access to those riches. There's gold in many mines in the ground. Does, you, know, you don't have to be a Christian to go and dig it out. You just have to be willing to work. And then you can go and mine it out and you've got gold. You know? and, and so it just shows you that it's not about um, uh, uh, knowing Jesus. Jesus can, you know, you can trust the Holy Spirit to show you where there is gold and diamonds and you can go and do it. But the point is, is you still need to go in and dig and you still need to go and dig it out. But there's equal opportunity for anybody who lives on earth who's willing to go and dig. But then you've got a lot of Christians who rather than go and dig, would put money in an offering bucket. And I love that because we get to use it for good if they put it in our buckets. And then we can take that money and we can go in on mission. But the point is, is that it's not helping them because they're not getting richer. But at least their money is going to good works if they're putting it in a good bucket. Amen. <laughs> so Psalm 104 verse 14, the New Living Translation says, You cause grass to grow for the livestock and plants for people to use. You allow them to produce food from the earth. The new or the, the end, the net translation says he provides grass for the cattle and crops for people to cultivate so they can produce food from the ground. The point is, is that the riches of the earth are available for all people. You don't have to believe in Christ to access the riches in the world. Yeah, you only have to work uh, 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 those riches from the earth. You need to go and dig in. You know, and sometimes. You know, I love the fact that we, we, we can have a ministry to different groups of people, including businessmen, and, and we can encourage businessmen in, 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 in um, uh, uh, doing things you know, God's way even and, and, and being in the mission field while you're in business and things. But, you know, if you want your business to succeed, go and learn from an unbeliever. Don't copy the, uh, the, the, um, um, the ungodly things that they're doing. But they've got a lot of good practical wisdom, which might not be in the Bible, because the Bible's purpose isn't wisdom for, for business. The Bible's purpose is wisdom unto salvation. And so if you're wanting to learn more about business, go read a book from someone who's successful in business, whether they're a Christian or not. Yeah, if I'm looking for a dentist because I've got teeth issues, I want a good dentist. I don't want a Christian dentist. If I need to have surgery, yeah, it would be great if I've got a good Christian uh, a surgeon, but I'm not bothered if he's a Christian or not. What I want is somebody who's a skilled surgeon. Yeah, you don't want a, a Christian who, who, who's kind of a butcher. <laughs> Point being, yeah, like we often kind of think that someone's automatically better just because they're a Christian. It's not the case. Did that, was that Christian lazy or, or did they work hard to become skilled at what they do? And is that what's producing their wealth? Or are they just waiting for it to fall from heaven on their head? Uh, I, I don't know if I shared this last week, but uh, someone in the meeting here uh, uh, asked me the question of, you know, would um, having the Holy Spirit make you a better sports person? 
Now think about it for a second. My answer is God doesn't care about that. And that might sound a bit harsh, but God doesn't care about that. He cares about souls being, being uh, at one. He cares about the Great Commission. Okay. The Holy Spirit's purpose isn't to make us a better business person or a better sports person or a better whatever. The Holy Spirit's purpose is empowering to be an effective witness in preaching the gospel and seeing people get discipled. We need to keep the main thing the main thing and the top priority the top priority. Making money is necessary, but it's not the top priority. Anyway, that, that was a little bit maybe uh, strong for some, but uh, Psalm 24 verse 1. New King James says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. It doesn't, it's not limited to the Christian. The, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it, the world and those who dwell therein. So if someone dwells therein, the earth belongs to them. They have equal access to digging out that gold. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The word fullness means abundant riches of the earth. That's what it's referring to. What this is saying is that the earth is not empty. Okay. If our pockets are empty, it's because we're not digging into the, the riches of the earth. It's not a faith issue. It's, a, it's a, a, often a laziness issue or a knowledge issue. You know, you can pray and get direction from the Lord and, and, and have a successful business. I believe that 100%. He can lead you in the right direction. But, you know, it doesn't mean you're going to automatically be skilled. I believe he would, he, he would uh, uh, want you to grow in your skill and develop your skill and all of this. But so often in these cases, we limit the Holy Spirit and belittle him to um, a tool for business and a tool to, to become wealthy. And we'll add on the, 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 the side note of so that we can be givers for the kingdom. And that's just a, an excuse. Um, you know, the riches of the earth are for all people. The same way the sun shines on everyone and the rain falls on everyone, it's for everyone. You know, it's, it's almost, it, it's, it's actually just pride that we as Christians think that we have exclusive rights to the riches of the earth. Yeah, uh, 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 the blessing of Abraham is, is part, the, the wrong view of this is, is part of the problem. The blessing of Abraham is really what belongs to Christians only. And, and uh, 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 that is nothing to do with material riches, according to the Bible. The blessing that, that you know, the blessings uh, or, that, or that blessing of Abraham gives Christians access to things that unbelievers cannot access because they are apart from Christ. A believer can access wealth, an unbeliever can access wealth, but there's a power, the power of the Holy Spirit within the believer that an unbeliever cannot access. That's what this is talking about. We've got an added advantage in all of life but it's an eternal added advantage, not just one that we can make more money. It's got nothing to do with that. Yes, the Holy Spirit can quicken you to an opportunity or whatever, but we must never limit him to just a tool to be able to get rich. Yeah, you know, it's important for me to say, you know, we, 
we, we need to preach against greed and against covetousness in order to correct, I believe, the error that has gained a lot of momentum in the church. But it's important that you know that we're not preaching against having money. We're not preaching against being rich. We're not saying that it's wrong to have or desire even material wealth. It's good to be rich. It's a good thing to want material wealth. It's wrong to rob believers of hard-earned money by twisting Bible verses to get them to give more. The, that, that's not the gospel. The gospel doesn't discriminate. It's for all people. It's not just for poor people. It's for poor in spirit. Okay? It's not just for sick people. It's for sick in spirit. Earthly riches are also, they don't discriminate. Earthly riches are for all people. The gold that's in the earth is waiting for whoever will dig it up. Jesus also, and he never preached against earthly wealth. He preached against the wrong attitude towards money and the results of the wrong attitude towards money. So we've got to make sure that we have the right attitude towards money. Okay, let's, let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 6. Verse 32 to 33. Now it's talking about don't, you know, don't uh, uh, seek after what you're going to eat or don't worry about what you're going to eat and drink or about what you'll wear uh, because life's more important than food and the body's more important than clothes. And then verse 32, Jesus says, after all these things, the, the Gentiles are, do seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Okay, so now this is a powerful verse, and it's encouraging for us in terms of provision. We can trust God. He's our Father. He wants to look after us. We're not alone in this world trying to make it work. We've got a loving Father who wants to lead us and look after us. And so it's not just up to you and your secular books on how to make successful business business I'm, I'm not saying that but what i'm saying is that that we've got a father who's with us and through relationship we can we can choose the, the right paths in life but even business-wise a lot of the business opportunities that you will have you might fail at and you might not be able to take advantage of and you might not succeed as much as you want to why because sometimes in order to make it in this world you're going to have to do backhanded uh, business dealings. You're going to have to do something under the table, off the books. You're going to have to do something illegal. And that obviously goes against our standards, our, our conscience, our, our, our values. The world doesn't have a problem with that. We have a problem with that. You know, and the word has a problem with that. And so that would put us at a disadvantage. You might lose your job if you don't do what your boss expects you to do, even if it's an illegal thing. So the, the, the point is, is that you might, in the world's eyes, take a couple steps back because you choose to do the right thing when it's uncomfortable and inconvenient, but you've got a father in heaven who knows what you need and is looking after you. But you seek first the kingdom of God. You prioritize the king and his kingdom. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Provision will 
come. Now, if you're seeking the kingdom first so that you can get things, then you're really just seeking after things, aren't you? <laughs> you know, a lot of people are like, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God, and I'm doing that by giving, and I'm doing that by going to church, and God's going to add everything unto me. Like, they're saying the right thing. They're presenting it maybe in a, in a good way, but in their heart of hearts, it's like um, they're um, uh, still believing that uh, uh, the, for the stuff. Like the stuff is going to come. I'm looking forward to the stuff, all the stuff that can burn and I can't take with me to heaven one day. You know, that's what they're really aiming at. You know, if, we, if we're just seeking after things, then we're using the kingdom to get stuff. The kingdom is eternal and stuff isn't. Okay. If you think that Christianity or even ministry is for us to be able to get wealth or acquire wealth, then you're seeking wealth. And you're just using the kingdom to get what you truly are seeking. And there's a lot of people like that in, in, the, in the kingdom, unfortunately. You know, because their heart is captivated by nice stuff. You know, they've got the appearance of being kingdom-minded and seeking after kingdom. But they're actually seeking the kingdom, more looking forward to stuff coming. Because they're seeking the kingdom. And that, that just... It, you know, you can't judge someone's motivation, but they in their heart of hearts know what they're truly seeking. I think a good, a good way to ask our, ourselves is, or to identify where our hearts are, are at, is if, if we're seeking first the kingdom, if we're prioritizing the kingdom, and we never, ever get that car that we desire. We never, ever have a car again. We, like if, if we're putting prioritizing in the kingdom, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we're prioritizing. We're living for the king and his kingdom and all our wealth is taken away from the government because of it. And we just poor, poor, poor. Would we still be happy and content and rejoicing in the Lord always and seeking him first? And, or would we start to adjust our focus in order to try and have a more comfortable life? Now, that's maybe a bit of a, a more difficult question. Uh, then I intended it to come out like, but I mean, that's the, the, the thing, isn't it? I encourage you to go look online and, and watch the movie Tortured for Christ. It's about a, um, a, a pastor, <clears throat> I can't remember the country right now, someone will remember and write it down, I'm sure. So it's about a, a pastor in a, a communist country, Iran. I don't think it's Iran. Uh, uh, a pastor in a communist country, and they... Um, uh, um, it's like Serbia or one of those countries there, Romania. Thank you, Lucas. And they, and they are um, uh, forcing all the pastors to, to agree with the government and promote the government's religion and go full-on communist. And this one pastor stands up in this public meeting, which is being broadcast across the country, and he basically rebukes all the pastors for, for, for going with the government because now the government's going to pay them all a good salary and they're going to have comfort and they're going to enjoy prosperity now. And he says, this is, this is um, a, a, a slap in the face of Christ. He says something like that. You know, and, 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 and he just kind of walks out of there and makes a stand. And I mean, he's tortured. He's tortured and he's, he, he's arrested. And like, um, you know, he lived to tell the tale. And he started, uh, um, uh, what's it, um, some worldwide persecution uh, 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 ministry. And so great things came out of it. But in that kind of situation, you've got to be willing to, to be persecuted and have nothing if you're prioritizing the kingdom. Now, that's an extreme example that majority of us in this meeting are never going to have to uh, 
uh, uh, uh, face um, that kind of reality. But in our hearts, I think we need to test our hearts and we need to see if I was in that position, what would I do? And the Holy Spirit would empower you if you make the decision. But we've got to see that Christianity and ministry are not for acquiring wealth and having a comfortable life. Christianity and ministry are for a purpose, and that purpose is eternal. And if it can burn, it's not eternal. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 5 from the Passion Translation says, They add misery to many lives by corrupting their minds and cheating them of the truth. They equate the worship of God with making great sums of money. Doesn't that sound uh, interesting? Look at it in um, uh, the New Living Translation. These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt. And they have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. I don't, I'm not even going to comment on these verses. Uh, uh, New Century Version, I'm just going to read them. It says, and constant quarrels come from those who have evil minds and have lost the truth. They think that serving God is a way to get rich. Look at the amplified version of this. It says, and protracted wrangling and wearing discussion and perpetual friction among men who are corrupt in mind and bereft of the truth, who imagine that godliness or righteousness is a source um, of profit, or may, a money-making business, a means of livelihood from such withdrawal. It's saying that it, there are people who think that, that, that godliness, living for Jesus, is, and, and they're teaching it. They're making a business uh, uh, of uh, ministry, like withdraw from them. That's quite a, a strong statement. Give to get. We shouldn't have anything to do with it. 1 Timothy chapter uh, 6, verse 5 says, They are always making trouble because they are people whose thinking has been confused. They have lost their understanding of the truth. They think that devotion to God is a way to get rich. That's seeking the kingdom first so that you can have everything added unto you. That's not just seeking the kingdom and having everything added unto you. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. It's got everything to do with motivation. Okay. And one of the things that this points out, it says they always they're always making trouble because they are people who have whose thinking has been confused. They've lost their understanding of the truth. You know, I believe that there's a, a almost like a blindness that comes over someone who's stuck in this teaching of give to get, and it's kind of like your spiritual understanding is retarded and you can't grow beyond that. Because now it's always going to come back down to an issue of money. And the interesting thing is, there's no money in the kingdom. Which is quite something. But again, I want to say there's nothing wrong with people being rich. There's nothing wrong with a rich pastor even. Okay? There's nothing wrong with uh, believers getting rich or believers wanting to get rich. It's good 
and it's a it's an honorable desire uh, uh, for a believer to want to have rich, especially so that they can look after their family and so that they can support the gospel. I mean, that should be our primary aim in all of life. Support the gospel, spread the gospel, establish God's covenant throughout the earth. Okay, establish what he's, he's uh, uh, already started. That's where we, we go to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 to 18. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, the ability to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So, you know, this isn't saying that it's all just up to you and it's all you who get your wealth, but it's like God gives you ability. I mean, but, but he gave everybody their ability, unbeliever and believer alike. And you can still trust him for opportunities and you can trust him for wisdom and you can, you, you, there's nothing wrong with that. But this is saying that as we get wealth, we should still remember him and then use our, our finances for the furtherance of the kingdom. Okay, so, you know, it, it, it's, um, there's nothing wrong with wealth or getting and obtaining wealth or working hard so that you can make money, but it's wrong to come to the kingdom so that you can have money. It's wrong. Like, I mean, you know, uh, 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 yeah, let me leave that there. <laughs> there's no mines, gold mines in the kingdom. There's no banks in the kingdom that you can take money from okay if if you're coming to the kingdom and seeking money and things so that you can you can get more or whatever and and you're trying to use the kingdom for that then it's really just fraud it it it, it it's it's uh, if you're kind of promoting that amongst believers but it's it's just um delusion if you're seeking that because it's it's not going to accomplish that for you yeah, there, there, there's a lot of um, you know, people who, who, who are teaching tithing and sowing and first fruits in, in, in the body of Christ are the ones generally becoming wealthier. You don't find someone who's not teaching, but is just giving and not working, really. You don't find them prospering as much as the person who's teaching it. Yeah, I, I know of a, a church group that um, they're quite strong on first fruits. And so in the beginning of each year, you know, you, you're expected to just give your whole January salary to the church and trust God. And I remember seeing a, a, um, a digs, a, a commune in um, Stellenbosch, where um, uh, one of uh, my friends was staying. Uh, I think he's in this meeting now. And uh, one of his housemates was um, from this church and gave his whole January salary as first fruits to the church because that's what's encouraged. And uh, you know what's interesting is, I mean, you know, God provided supernaturally for this guy through the rest of his housemates, which he sponged off for the whole month. <laughs> you know, or, you know, they have savings so that they can pay their rent or whatever. And it's like, it's an honorable thing, and I appreciate you know people giving big and giving sacrificially for the kingdom. But usually, people who are pushing and pulling for money like that aren't doing a heck of a lot for the kingdom. They're doing more for themselves. But anyway, uh, if money is first fruits, 
if, if first fruits is talking about money, then we've got some problems with a couple of verses like this one. Okay, so let me put this verse that, that would be problematic if first fruits is talking about money. 1 Corinthians 15, 23. But every man in his own order, Christ, the first fruits, after that, they are afterward, they that are Christ's at his coming. So this is talking about the resurrection of Christ, uh, uh, and that, that he was the first fruits, the first to be resurrected. And you know, we, we're gonna have a resurrection. And, and so it's like, well, now talking about first fruits as money in the, the 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 New Testament is 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 error. Okay, it's 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 cruel to teach things like these to believers. Um, and all of it, all of this does, you know, teaching, sowing and reaping, give to get, the casino gospel, as we labeled it last week. You know, all it does is it damages and destroys the spirit of generosity amongst the believers. Someone is practicing sowing and reaping and, and is very generous, giving a lot of money to people or the church because it's sowing so that they can reap something, that is not generosity at all. Why? Because it's fueled and motivated by a desire to get something. It's not fueled by a desire of love for somebody so that they can have. It's fueled by a desire that I'm going to give this to you and God's going to give me more. It's not like a, wow, you really have a need and I want to bless you. So let me give to you. I mean, it, it's obvious if you just look at it like that. It's a much more honorable desire and motivation if we're like, wow, we see our brother or sister in Christ in need, and we're like, wow, let me bless them. Let me, let me, me sow into their life, not so that I can reap from their life, but let me give something to them. Let me be generous towards them. Not expecting anything in return, but just because of love. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So that whosoever believes shouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. It doesn't say that God was expecting a harvest in return. And he got a harvest. It was a harvest of sons. But the point that I'm making is that that verse doesn't say that he gave to get. Okay, he gave, uh, um, Ephesians chapter 5, the message translation brings it across that he gave not to get anything from us, but to give everything of himself to us. You know, this message of give to get and, and prosperity message destroys true generosity. And we should be the most generous people on the face of the earth, not because we want to get something, but because we love. You know, this message also produces mean people because they, they become greedy and self-centered, self-centered. They become, you know, a, a, a casino orientated people who are, are putting something in and, and expecting, you know, hoping they'll win the jackpot. They want to return. Let me finish off with, with this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. From the modern English version, it says, Let him who steals, steal no more. Instead, let him labor, working with his hands, things which are good that he may have something to share with him who is in need. I like that. We work in order to create wealth because we know we're blessed, okay? Then from our work, 
we're able to earn an, a living and then meet our needs and be a blessing and meet the needs of others. So we don't tell the needy to tithe. We don't tell the needy to sow in order to meet their needs. If you have a need, sow a seed. We don't tell them that. The Bible is clear on this. Work so that you can have, so that you can give. Work so that you can have, so that you can give. And granted, I've got, including myself and, and, and other leaders in this meeting and ministers, and I've got friends around the world who are missionaries and, and, and ministers, it's not wrong to not have a secular job. Paul was a tent maker, but he wasn't a permanent tent maker. We're going to look at that next time because we don't have time for that today. But you know, Paul wasn't a tent maker all the time. He was a tent maker sometimes, and then sometimes he was supported by partners or, or, or friends at different churches, churches that he had, had, had ministered at. And so it's, not, it, it, it's, it, it's important that we're supporting people who are, are, are going for it full time with their time in ministering to people. And, and we're, putting, you know, we're, we're supporting the, the needs of the gospel to get to the ends of the earth. But it's not from the, the motivation of they're manipulating me out of my money to, to try and get me to give so that I can get something back from God. And we should not be saying, well, I need a car. Let me, let me give you some money towards your car. You know, because then if I'm sewing towards a car, I can reap a car. You know, th that's um, not biblical, put it, to put it uh, simply. Any thoughts, something that jumps out for you? Write it down. If you've got a question, you're welcome to send it to me as well. Um, and let's just in the last five minutes, just give some time for this. While you're writing, if there's anything. I'll just say this, you know, God's message of grace, the, the gospel, doesn't demand anything except faith. It, it doesn't demand anything, just faith. And, and a, a lot of the message of, of, of prosperity is just, it's demanding your money. <laughs> it's not demanding just faith. Now, faith is about works of dead, I understand that and all that, but, you know, we, 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 we got to look at it. Uh, uh, take a step back and look at this for what it is. You know, Priyank says, Christianity and ministry aren't for acquiring wealth, which is quite a strong point. That's good. You know, we must, we don't go into ministry and everyone in ministry can say amen to this. You don't go into ministry for, for money. You know, um, um, this is ministry school and everyone here is uh, uh, mature enough to handle this, but uh, yeah, there's a, a, I won't say his name, but there's a pastor in Africa whose label, his, his um, title or uh, one of his, uh, 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 he's known as being the wealthiest pastor in Africa. And you can go and Google his net worth and, and, and see how much he's worth in Africa and stuff like this. And, and I don't think that that's something to be proud of, to be honest, because there's so many people in his churches and it's the same church which expects first fruits. That, you know, um, is um, uh, 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 they're starving to death in, the, in, in his churches while he's um, you know, got a golden throne somewhere. Um, Etienne says, generosity doesn't look at what it can get. That's good. I mean, have you ever gotten a gift? You, you're like someone phones you and says, hey, you know, Jamie, see you first. So, hey, Jamie, you know, you, uh, Mrs. Miss Waller, we've got a special gift for you. 
It's a, a thousand rand gift voucher for Canal Walk. Please just give us your, your, your email address and we're going to email it to you. And she gives her email address, uh, uh, Walla, um, whatever, at yahoo.com. And, and she's uh, excited. And then they say, just one thing, you know, when you go and you pick up your voucher, we're just going to ask you a quick uh, a 20-minute questionnaire. And uh, we're going to need you to this, and we're going to need you to, all of a sudden, you're paying for this voucher in many different ways. They're giving you something because they want to get something. And then it kind of like, okay, I'll do it because I want the thousand rand gift voucher, but it, it cheapens it. You know, if you get a gift all of a sudden from someone and they're like, well, I gave you this so that, you know, it's like, oh, great. You know, I've had people in church even, they come and they'll give me money for like, um, something in church. I want to give this towards this in church. And then they all of a sudden, you know, I just wanted to pass an idea by you. I think that we should do X, Y, and Z with the, the children's ministry. This is a true example. And I was like, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> but thank you for the money. You know, I appreciate that. Uh, because it's like, I'm not going to be bored. Amen. Uh, Peter says, uh, it's, how, it's shocking how Abraham actually got his wealth. And I mean, it is, it is shocking. You know, we kind of think that it's because he, he tithes Melchizedek, but um, not really. Money is not first fruits. Jesus is. Amen. And that's what my mom Haley says. So those are some good feedback. Thank you so much. Father, I thank you for each person in this meeting. And I just uh, thank you that as they go and think these things through, that any, you'll just sh shine light on any dark corners with regards to this, Father, that they won't. Um, any, any, any kind of like confusion you'll just clear up as they study the word and that they will just step into more and more freedom in this area of finances, Father. Thank you that nobody will kind of look at this and go, oh no, then, then God's not providing for me. I have to do it. Thank you that they'll see you as Father. They'll see you as provider. They'll continue to trust in you, but it'll motivate them not to be lazy, but to to, to, to put their faith into action and work so that they can have, so that they can do. Now just speak blessing over every single person here. Encouragement in the name of Jesus. Amen.